Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, an article from The Athletic pieced together and did some deep reporting about the situations that brought Russell Westbrook over that were really telling, not just about how that went down, but also about the entire Lakers organization and kind of how it works. So I'm going to break down some of the most important aspects of that article right now. The article was written by Bill Oram, Shams Karania, and Sam Amick of The Athletic, and it is fantastic. So make sure you guys go out and find that. Again, theathletic.com, they have an app. Just fantastic work that the three of those guys did here. The biggest bit of information, or the biggest revelation here, is that Anthony Davis is, according to this article, getting ready to start at center. Uh, that is huge. That makes the roster make a lot more sense. When the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, I said at the time that it makes no sense to trade for Russell Westbrook if Anthony Davis is not going to play significant minutes at center uh, because you can't have Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis as a power forward, and either Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan as centers. You, you, your spacing will go to absolute crap. Uh, LeBron isn't really a typical floor spacer, floor spacer in that respect. And maybe you have Wayne Ellington out there, and he's your best floor spacer on the floor. But given how few other shooters there are at their positions, uh, relative to their positions, the defense can just kind of sit at home on Ellington and cheat off of other places. So uh, this is the right call. The uh, starting starting unit that would uh, that was reported here uh, is Russ, obviously Wayne Ellington, LeBron, Ariza, and Davis. Um, I think that might get kind of moved around over the course of the year. We got to see where Trevor Ariza is physically. We got to see uh, whether Carmelo Anthony ever makes an argument. If you're going to start LeBron at the three and Davis at the five. You may as well just see what it looks like when you have Mello out there at the four. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker is also reportedly, again, according to this article, uh, he is reportedly going to be vying for starter minutes as well. That's interesting and probably a clutch tax thing. And then you have Wayne Ellington, who is not the defender that Kent Bazemore is, a uh, better shooter. And so if you are going to be... Uh, you know, prioritizing offense, Ellington makes sense. Uh, but you also have Malik Monk and T Kendrick Nunn, who are also all going to be competing for, for minutes in, in this rotation. So uh, the Lakers have options, especially now that Anthony Davis is reportedly going to start at the five. That is uh, big information for all Lakers fans everywhere. The other thing that is not a revelation, this is something that I've been talking about and everybody basically has been paying attention to with the Lakers, and it's the amount to which their spending was limited this year. Uh, there are specific examples cited in which the uh, front office and LeBron and uh, everybody involved in the decision-making process had some pressure applied to them from ownership that the Lakers have to watch their spending. And, and again, not exactly new information there, but what I found interesting was that there were a couple of moments in the article that painted a little bit of tension in, in this regard. And this is really going to be interesting to see because like, if the Lakers won a championship this year while being you know very 
uh, frugal <laughs> is how I'll phrase it, uh, then it's, it's no problem whatsoever. But if you don't win a championship and you now have, you know, a, a couple years, maybe only one more year of prime LeBron James, then I would imagine there's going to be more pressure applied on ownership from LeBron saying, hey, I made this, I made this commitment to you. And I would have thought that that commitment would have been met with some kind of willingness to spend in order to be competitive with some of the teams that we're going to be going up against. So uh, if they win, we'll forget all about this. If they don't, I would imagine this is going to be something to put a, put a pin in. Another bit of information that, again, we mostly knew, uh, but Frank Vogel uh, got an extension over the offseason, and when it was announced, normally teams brag about the way that they pay their coaches and the uh, commitment that they make to coaches. So when the Lakers didn't do that, red flags for anybody who has been paying any attention here obviously went up. In this article, again from uh, Bill Oram, Shams Karani, and Sam Amick, uh, in this article they discuss and they reveal uh, now in the first definitive reporting that Vogel only got a one-year extension, which... It, as they say, it's it's kind of a half measure here. I would agree with that assessment. This is kind of embarrassing for the Lakers and in, in that Vogel won a championship and is one season removed, potentially. He could have head into the season uh, as a lame duck coach, meaning you have the only the one year left. And and the fact that the Lakers didn't go out and make a bigger priority and a maker make you know, really showcase, hey, this is the way that we treat players and coaches who bring us championships. Uh, the fact that they didn't do that here with Frank Vogel is really a bummer to see. Uh, I thought, I, I've thought that he has done more than enough to get a lengthier extension. Um, and, and with David Fisdale there, uh, I, I think there are going to be rumors anytime things aren't really living up to expectations so long as Fisdale is there, the Lakers are always going to have those whispers about like, all right, is it a matter of if or when Fisdale replaces Vogel, especially with this being the contract situation there. So again, something to keep an eye on there. I think it's a mistake on the Lakers' parts, but, uh, but here we are. And then the last thing here that I found interesting from that article, there were a few other tidbits here, but in terms of what I wanted to relay to you guys here is throughout that article, it really paints a picture here where Rob Palenka, man, how do I want to put this? Doesn't have a ton of say or sway in the front office, which again, you know, Carmelo Anthony talked about him being a general or LeBron being a general manager word around the league is 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 very adamant that LeBron runs things with the Lakers, uh, but you really see that here. I mean, the the article starts about uh, with with a an anecdote about uh, LeBron James's estate in Brentwood, where out of his uh, wine and cigar room, he has been basically making decisions and making calls and interviewing players that he would potentially get the Lakers to trade for, and. In the meeting, uh, or, or 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 in as they were putting together the strategy about this offseason, 
you heard about Jared Dudley being there, and you heard about Anthony Davis being there. Obviously, LeBron was there, and Rob Polinka was nowhere to be seen. So, um, and and then you know you you saw that uh, Polinka was this close to trading for Buddy Heald, and then that fell by the wayside once uh, Russell Westbrook started putting more pressure on on the Washington Wizards and LeBron James, according to uh, other reports from earlier this offseason, started putting more pressure and saying that, no, he wants the Russell Westbrook trade. So uh, I, I think when we're discussing Rob Polinka here, I think nothing has really changed all that much. If you've been paying attention to this and, and the other shows on this feed, Polinka's Rob uh, LeBron James and and uh, Anthony Davis's agent. He's they tell him, hey, here's a list of players we would like to play with, and he helps make that happen. and And I think here in this case, this this really spells that out in in pretty revealing detail how that relationship works. And and now that said, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. This doesn't have to reflect poorly on Rob Polinka. The most important thing in the NBA, if you are in any kind of management positions, whether it's coaching, executives, owning a team, the most important thing that you absolutely have to be good at is working with superstars. And while Rob Polinka isn't going to get the same amount of credit as like a Masai Ujiri or a Bob Myers or any of the top executives that you would kind of think of around the NBA, uh, because he isn't the one, you know, digging through analy- uh, analytics and analysis to go find these moves on the peripheries uh, that make the team better. What he is really good at is working well with LeBron James. What he is really good at is working well with Anthony Davis and keeping them committed to uh, the team environment that they are playing a very active role in putting together. And so for, for Rob Polinka, uh, there are probably things that he could be better at, and there are probably things that the Lakers might be better suited at if he was more empowered. But that isn't how this is working out. So far, it has gotten the Lakers one championship, uh, and this is going to be another, you know, kind of, I won't go so far as to say make or break season, but it's damn near that, where we are going to start defining this LeBron James era based on successes and failures. So this is going to be a really interesting season given the role that he played in, LeBron played in, in bringing in Russell Westbrook. But And and while it's easy to just say, oh, Rob Polinka just doesn't do anything, it is, in some cases, smarter to just take a step back and let the more talented people and the people better at their job do things that make them feel better about their job and 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 keep your own kind of job security intact. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Uh, in terms of things to keep an eye out for, well, uh, our own Harrison Fagan did a lot of work today in, in, in writing about the, the topics that we just talked about here, and he goes into a little bit more depth uh, with the space that he is allotted, so you should check that stuff out. And then on this podcast feed on my show, uh, we I, I had Matt Moore on, and he and I discussed some of the comments that were made around the league today regarding uh, vaccine mandates and vaccination statuses. Um, and then and then you know we segued awkwardly over 
to a preview of the way that the Lakers and the Nuggets match up. So, uh, uh, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you guys that that conversation is for everybody. I hope you check it out. I hope you check out the rest of that episode if you if you enjoy it or if you want to hear about um, the Denver Nuggets Lakers uh, matchup. Uh, but but I think it's a conversation that was worth having, and I think we need to have more of those kinds of conversations. So long as people are as clearly misinformed as they have been to this point. Until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good day.